0: Hey, it's Donnie Bobine. Thanks for checking out the show. Just want to let you know that each week, I literally bring on some of the best in the world to coach me on growing my business. What you're going to hear is live conversations I've had with some of the greatest business professionals in the world as they guide me how to grow my company, Success Champion Networking. This is real, this is raw, this is completely unfiltered, and it's really them pouring into me so I can grow my business. My hope is as you listen to this, that you'll get real value that'll help you grow your business. Do me a favor. If this brings you any value, please leave me a review wherever you're listening to this. And that would mean the
1: absolute world to me. Find somebody when you're getting started out there to model because with, God, what, what they're doing obviously works. Uh, but then th- where the ego comes in is where people are like saying, well, I don't want to be like him. I'm unique. Fuck that. You know, <laughs> right. because you're just getting started.
0: You've got to get around people that are doing the shit you want to be doing, on the level and volume of what you want to be doing. Go in and be the damn student. I could learn from every person in this room. Think about how you talk about your business. Yes, passion sells, but you can't carry on a real conversation outside the passion. You're gonna lose. So the whole point of all of this is, one, show up as you, fucking loud. Two, get yourself in frickin' rooms that scare the shit out of you. It's really about looking at those things that you know will move the business forward and doing them anyways. Thank you for allowing me to always show up as me, and thank you for showing up as you. Welcome to growth mode. Rick, you've done some really cool things. I was actually pretty fascinated checking out your story because I didn't know a whole lot about you before your team reached out to be on the show. So I'm pretty stoked to, uh, to sit down with you. Um, I can tell you building a business, man, the, I don't think there's a greater tool on the planet to get to know the dude in the mirror. And I use dude universally, yeah. um, the dude in the mirror, than building a business, um, uh, because you're going to find out what you're made of really damn quick. So, talk to me a little bit about just you know being a business owner. What it's like. What's the ups and downs, and how do you handle getting punched in the face every day, smiling and going again?
1: Yeah, you got it, man. I do differentiate when you said business owner too versus entrepreneur. One hundred percent, and it's uh, there's reasoning behind that. I know you're probably on the same page with me. as that it's it's funny because I just got these uh. I just got these new tumblers in, right? All in CEO, which is my nice. program. I've got the podcast, but I love this. And then I also got self-made, like hats that literally just say self-made. Nice. That, that we're going to throw out to people in my community. But that's part of what I'm answering your question with, is that's literally it, right? And I mean, I, I, I've i taken now a company from literally being just me, like the the singular IT consultants, all the way to now closing the deal to go public just literally a couple of days ago nice like the dude, press yes. release is going out today for that <laughs> so it's uh it's whenever this is published it would have already happened so right, it, right. It, it's it's cool and it's also kind of surreal in that moment too so when you're saying like business owner versus entrepreneur like what does it mean for that the the last two weeks you talk about getting punched in the face the last two weeks leading up to closing that deal right and the, the deal is like you know it's it's eight figures in an amount that's going to be funded over the next year in order for us to continue our bit, our growth plan, which is acquisitions, right? Mergers right. and acquisitions, M&A, and also organic growth on that too. Like this morning with my team, I identified one of our new acquisitions that we just closed on a month ago. They were doing $4 million in top line, and we just identified a way today because we have the ability to scale it, that we're going to start invoicing a $1 million a month immediately huh. out of that. So it's like tripled the revenue almost overnight. Yeah, wow. But that doesn't come without getting punched in the face, dude. And these last two weeks leading up to closing this deal to go public was like hit after hit. Yeah, and, I can only and, imagine. You know, uh,
0: the stress at that level has got to be insane. And I, I, I often tell people, I think that the only people that find success are as ones that are crazy enough to not throw in the towel. Yeah, Because yeah. the most logical person is not going to look at some of the decisions and things we put ourselves through and go, yeah, that's something I want to do
1: yeah right on dude i like to win i really like to fucking win and similarly i always say it's like the difference between winning and losing is most often just not quitting
0: yeah
1: yeah you know i know
0: there's several times as i've built a business where i've been stacked up against it and i've never really had that thought process i should go back and get a job you know i've been doing you know running company all together six years three years with the last venture but um, I've never had that throw in the towel kind of moment for me, but I've put myself into some pretty hairy, you know, situations overall. What is your, I mean, there's winners. You're still yeah. there.
1: Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah. sure. The, the, um, don't un, don't under acknowledge that, man. <laughs> but I
0: appreciate that. Yeah. You know, Cause that's the, the truth. We, we don't often celebrate those small wins enough and that's not even a small win. That's a pretty big thing, yeah. you know, thing to be proud of that I hit year six this year going into year seven, but. You know, for for mental fortitude inside of building a business, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, uh, people say all the time it's a mental game. It's a mental game and mental. But I don't think people actually understand how big of a mental game is until you're in the throes of it, right? Right yeah, until you're yeah. in the middle of it. How do you navigate it? And then we're going to dive into a little bit about our company and some of the things you can help potentially help us scale this thing out.
1: Yeah, you bet. There's a there's a concept, right? Even my show is called All In, and it's like that's why this says All In CEO on here, and it's I'll go back to a story when I was actually in a job, right? we working for Best Buy at the moment. And I was really a new sales guy. I wrote the sales playbook for Best Buy for Business, like their B2B division that they used to have before yes. they shut the whole thing down in 2008, which is when I started my company, when I was literally laid off with like 700 other people, right when my twins were born. So talk <laughs> about another like punch in the face. Right, like my right. twins were two weeks old, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for My first kids. And that mental fortitude, because in that moment, it's like, well, I got to do what I have to do. Mm. And it's like, it, there's stuff around you. And it's like, I have two brand new mouths to feed, to care for, to make sure that they survive, have a roof over their head. And it's not a responsibility that I ever take lightly. Uh, you talk about being all in. It's like, you're, you're forced in that moment, unless you're a jackass, right. that type of moments, you are, you are forced to be like, there's nothing that I'm going to quit for at this point because <laughs> yeah, I need to continue just building and moving forward. And what I saw in that moment was the fact that there are going to be things that are outside of my control. And this is the mental toughness part of it. Me being laid off was outside of my control. Shutting down a division that I helped build was outside of my control. This isn't a weird control thing, but if I can keep control and affect and make decisions to where I'm calling the shots for me every single day. For me and the people that I care for, which this isn't just my family anymore, I mean, t- taking a company public, having an acquisition yeah. going from six people to several acquisitions, going from six people to 80 people in a matter of like two and a half years, that's that's a hardcore growth strategy. Yeah, it is. You know, and then now accelerating that to where we're going to be four times that, you know, like 300 people a year from now.
0: Well, that's not even and- just a
1: hardcore growth strategy. That's a personal evolution yeah i mean for sure it is the,
0: the guy you started with uh you know as one person solopreneur doing your business now managing 80 people i mean
1: that's an upgrade uh you know that's like yeah you it's like version 4.0 up. or 5.0 right. now you know right. it's, it's not even 2.0 at this point anyway you know, but it, that's accurate man because in that moment with my kids it's like that was like 1.0 entrepreneur for me right you know and deciding like this is it, it's like this is who i'm going to be for the rest of this time but That story in the car, training a new salesperson. Like, I don't even remember what I was talking about. I just remember his response. He was there only three weeks, and he's like, "Rick, I think I've learned you enough to know that no matter what you talk about, you're going to be passionate about it because you were all in." Mm. And it's like anything I choose to, and that's the point in making this in the mental side of things is everything you have is a choice. Even not making a choice is a choice. Sitting back and being a lazy motherfucker is a choice, right? You know, not addressing what's in front of you. I mean, I could have sat back and and collected unemployment forever, pretty much, you know, went out and found another job, but it's like, I've got two kids here now, I've got a family of four people and I need to be able to continuously provide for them. And at the same time, I love doing things for other people, even outside of my family. It's like, I identified what part of my purpose was in that moment too. Like, how can I build something that both takes care of my immediate family in abundance And then have that abundance overflow onto a bunch of other people that I choose to surround myself with. For sure. You know, I was very much in a
0: similar boat. So, um, I turned 40 before I even knew I could start a business, right? Just a blue collar kid. You work, you get a job, you retire, you know, that's the thing. And, but when I launched my company, I was slapped with a non-compete that I don't remember signing. So I was a sales trainer before I left corporate America, supposedly one of the top in the country. I don't know what that means other than good at flapping my gums in front of a room, right? But, um, so I launched my company. I couldn't talk about sales, sales training, business development, none of it. So six months in my wife's, you know, Jeep was repossessed. We almost lost our farm. Right, yeah. I built a second house in the property for my mother-in-law. She lived here. So she was going to lose her you know, place as well. So my wife cashed in her 401k to literally get her Jeep back and save the farm. And then she stayed my ride and died. You know, we just hit 17 years together, nice. but I'm very proud of that. Um, and, and, but going through that, I had to hit some sort of rock bottom to actually begin to start fighting. Right. Yeah. Um, I was a kid who grew up in self-help books and all the likes, and you know, I was going to talk
1: myself into success and all that crap. There's one of my favorite things that I tell almost everybody that I possibly can. It was years ago I bought one share of Disney stock, right? The company was a lot different then than it is today. I mean, I'll just throw that out there. For you sure. know, I don't, I don't For sure. enjoy the internal politics of that organization now, Right. but the, the one share, I, there's, there's a couple of books, The Wisdom of Walt, you're talking about self-help books, right? right? But then there's also Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, two books that I would recommend to any business owner, any mm. entrepreneur ever, because it talks about this dude's vision and how he took action on that vision. But like you're saying that the self-help books that's great you, you can talk yourself into this stuff but the only thing that's actually going to get it done is doing something about it actually taking that first step and i still have it it's one share before disney stopped issuing paper certificates paper stock certificates pretty it's cool dude it's got all the disney yeah. characters on it and and everything and that's why i got it even when i was broke because i got it like 15 years ago right, right when i was, right, broke, right. It was like only 70 bucks a share. So I'm like, I'm going to get this. And my favorite quote in the whole world is on there from Walt Disney. It says at some point in time, you have to stop talking and start doing.
0: Hmm. Right.
1: That's real. That's
0: real. Um, I, I think I've been a guy that was a a dreamer for a lot of my career. I've had some cool past successes, but I, I always played that game of when I get to here, then life will be good. Right. When I accomplish this, life will be good. And I think even now with the business, there's a part of me that says, when we hit this milestone, now we can start doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and it, it's, a, it's a mental game for myself, you know, as we go three years into this company now, three and a half, um, and we're growing. A, a big realization would happen to us this year is when we first started building the groups out. We were kind of a mixture of B2B, B2C. We had this kind of influx. And then we realized that the market for us was all in the straight B2B game. So we're in that transitioning phase now going B2B. So we're unfortunately losing some amazing people. that are on B 2 B2C side of things, but that's going to come with growing pains. And now we're looking to try and figure out, okay, how do we scale this? And one of our, our, our biggest difficulty is where we're known, man, people love us and they come in drones. It's going into an unknown market where nobody knows who you are um, and trying to bring in a philosophy, our vision, how we do things, our culture into the world. How do you penetrate into an area without trying to do a heavy marketing spend um, that nobody knows you? How do you sneak into those areas and get your brand in there?
1: Yeah, it's I mean, the cliche, right, is it's networking. But I'm going to use what you told me about your group as an example. Because I'm hearing this and you've got, that's a great, it's a great transition. I think you're making an awesome transition into B2B because it's going to fit, I think, the overall culture of what you described to me as we were talking like backstage a little bit. I think right. it's going to serve you well. The The B2C individuals that you're saying you're going to lose, this has to do with your question. I'm curious as why they think they need to to shed themselves from the group. And I'll tell you why. Because in, in, in my company, this is how I looked at it, right? I... I look at things because we're completely B2B. Our services are B2B. We'll, we'll do right. a B2C play at some point. We just went public, right? That's our intention is to it's cybersecurity for all, you know, because it really doesn't exist. <laughs> you know. Right. For sure. That's, that's the whole reason of me being a disruptor in this space is like I'm building the first nationwide brand. I'm the first managed service provider to go from, from one man to, to publicly held without any funding, you know, so it's like nice. I'm trailblazing. And that's the idea is that then we'll move to consumers too, you know, in in a year or two, which is awesome. But we started B2B. However, the way that I've always looked at our customers is as if they were just regular, typical consumers. A hundred percent. And yeah, so these individuals that are being shed, I don't know what industries they're in, you know, or anything like that. But I know that they have things to offer the group and I know that they can learn from the B2B side and apply it to B2C. You know, now there's a focus of the group that makes sense, but the bright ones I hope would stick around, you know, and And,
0: and we are keeping some of those because what the the smart ones are realizing is that, Hey, if I'm hanging around with a bunch of people who are doing bigger deals, bigger conversations, that's bigger houses, that's bigger mortgages, right? You know, that's bigger plays for their companies, but they don't always... Look at it from that function because they grew up in a world where networking was sell to everybody you meet. Yeah, versus building relationships.
1: Right on, exactly. And you will never learn more about financing, right? If it's because I think you're talking about realtors there, you will never learn more about financing than from somebody who's putting together 100 million dollar deals that has a debt component to it. You know, or like an acquisition, like I do, and structuring the deal in a way that's creative to get the thing done. You know, it's it's not just just cookie cutter when it comes, or it shouldn't be anyways, when it comes to homes, properties, whatever else. You know, there's ways that you can structure these things. I mean, they say like the, you know, the the two mortgages, like, you know, bet like the 80-20 split so you didn't put anything down, you know, back in 2005 and all that, and why everything crashed. There's still really interesting creative deals out there. Like even selling the house to a lease to own company Right. So you, you, the owner can sell the, I know this stuff just because I'm around people, right. Right. You can sell the home. If you're looking at buying it, like they can sell the home to a leasing company for like a 99 year lease. They're going to make some money off of it, but then you can also structure an ownership portion of that. So it's easier on the buyer. So as long as they can make the rent, the payment, when they might not qualify for a traditional mortgage, that's an alternative way to structure a a consumer-based home purchase. You know, right. I hope you play this in your group sometime because it'll probably blow some people's minds. <laughs> you know, there's ways. That, but I know these things because I am around the people in the B2B space that I am, you know, and because well, of the deals that I've done in the B2B space.
0: Well, and I think that speaks even to a bigger thing. You know, you go back to Jim Rohn and his whole philosophy of five, right? You know, the five people you surround yourself, who you become. I buy into that somewhat, but I also know that there's times that you can't control the five people you can be around, right? Like, you know, I've got some family I love dearly. They're never going to be ambitious. They're never, they're content where yeah. they are and I'm happy for them. Right. You know, but around them, I have to protect my mindset of, okay, cool. We're just going to hang out and be around them. We're not going to talk business because they're just never going to talk
1: to level. And I think. You do for to like, an extent. And I, I appreciate your, you said this is like a coaching show, right? Yeah. Bring okay. it, Great. Bring Great. Bring <laughs> Bring it, I, bring it, bring it, bring it. I appreciate that to to an extent because I, I can tell your good intentions that it's like they're my family. You know? right. and, and, dude, I, I got the same thing. You know, because it's, uh, it, I love it because I start seeing my brother now start to post like personal development quotes, you know, when he's obviously been around me like literally his whole life, you know, and right. I've been doing that shit for so long. Now, you know? <laughs> it's like, I see him in a job where he, you know, he's still making like five figures a year, at least I think that he is. And from what I know, anyways. And it's like, man, there's so much more to this, you know, and there's so much potential that you have and every opportunity. But it's like in those moments, he wasn't ready to receive it, but he's family. So there's been like things like he sees me do things and then there'll be like comments under the breath sometimes. Love the dude. Absolutely love him. But it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But in those moments, it's it's like you can you can't control who your family is, but you can you can control the amount of exposure that you could have. 100%. But, you
0: know, an interesting thing that happened this year as well is my middle brother, Keith, you know, he's been the only other person in the family that's gone out and tried to do something big. And he's run a couple companies and the likes. Never really been the entrepreneur guy. He's always been a president of somebody else's company type of thing. But um, this uh, two years ago, he bought a background screening and drug testing company and came in. About a year into that, he calls me up and goes, dude, I don't know what the fuck you do, but I think we need to talk. Uh, I said, all right. He goes, I don't know how to build this company. Yeah. So I brought him into our world and I showed him our networking groups and the like, and he had never done this. This is the guy, you know, at one point he had a $170 million company going, you know, and he'd never been around trying to talk to these small business owners and the like dealing with this kind of stuff. Six months in, we more than doubled his business, and we've since brought him into uh, the company. And now he's our national director um, for all the chapters. That's awesome! Completely revamped. He'll still never be that entrepreneur type of guy. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah, one hundred percent. He is one hundred percent. He is. You know, um, so when him and I get around the family, it gets really, really funny because now we'll sit and we just talk business Yeah. and you can tell everybody else. And so we have to remember to go, okay, let's separate church from state for the moment. Let's hang out with the family. Cause otherwise we're gonna go down all these damn rabbit holes, um, and make them feel excluded. That's, that's hard to do sometimes. It it's is hard almost... to do sometimes. And, and
1: the hard to do is actually out of a, a place of good intentions for you. And I know, I know this because I recognize and for, them, and for so, them for sure. Exactly. And it, Well, that, that is the good intention that you have, right? Because you have good intentions. They're, they're in you. Maybe a phrase I phrase that wrong. They're in you for them.
0: Yes. Right? And and yes.
1: that's, that's how you're approaching this because there's sometimes like, especially when it's family, like, like my brother's five years younger than me. I'm using him as, as an example. It'd be cool if you saw the show too. I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like for real, love him with every part of me. Anything ever happens. I am there in a heartbeat. Right. right. You know? And, and th- there's times to where it's like, oh, it's like, th- look at what I've done. Not in an. In an arrogant way, based out of ego, but like use some of this to model, you know, because that that's something even in business when you're growing a business that I feel that you should do. Find somebody when you're getting started out there to model, because what what, what they're doing obviously works. Uh, But then where ego comes in is where people are like saying, "Well, I don't want to be like him. I'm unique." Fuck that. You know, right. because you're just getting started. You can learn things from these individuals. And then ego even becomes more of a play when it's family, right? Because there's even more competitiveness that can happen when it's family. So when you're sitting there around family and it's a, it's the conversations that you're having, it's like the intentions, like, like, like smack you on the head. Listen to me. I know what you need to do because I've been in your shoes 8,000 times already. And if you just listen to me for once, you'd have a better life tomorrow. Right. Well, and 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 even to play on the ego side
0: of things is I struggled early on getting advice and coaching.
1: Um, we all did, bro. We, yeah. we all had to go through that kill the ego phase.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's so humiliating, right? To finally learn to be humble.
1: Yeah. Because. Like, and then it's like, oh, this is easier.
0: Right. <laughs> it's like, what did I do this years ago? Yeah. Um, you know, and. Uh, I was at an event down in Atlanta, Georgia. I was doing one of the speakers down there, and I was talking to this guy named Chris Dade and, and I interviewed him on the podcast, and that dude's just got a philosophy that blows me away. Um, but we were sitting there looking at the room, and there was some eight-figure, nine-figure earners in the room that were all speaking at this event. And you could watch the people approach these yeah. nine, eight, nine-figure earners, and you could tell who had been through it and met the dude in the mirror and who hadn't by how they approached the people. And you could see the people that were getting approached uh, walk up. And it was fascinating to watch people and how they walked up to people. The people that have actually done things go up almost like with their hat in hand. You know, they're going up to be almost a student versus going in trying to teach them something. Everybody who hadn't done it were trying to teach. And, And Chris said something to me at that moment. And he said, Donnie, here's the difference between you and me on our journey right now. I said, okay, I'm listening. He goes, I know I could teach some something to everybody in this room. I said, cool, me too. He goes, here's where we're different. I know. He goes, I know I could learn from everybody in this room. And I sat back on my heels. I was looking <laughs> at my room and I'm like, there's some people I don't think I can learn <laughs> yeah. from. And he goes, sometimes it's learning what not to do. And yeah. I'm like, That's so true, right? That's funny. Uh- <laughs> it's <laughs> but, powerful yeah. too. It is, it is, yeah. you know, because you, you get yourself in certain situations and you're like, am I even in the right room at the moment? Yeah, for um, sure. But still maintain that student
1: mindset. Yeah. Let's be real. I mean, it, yeah, I used to, on my podcast, I used to have a segment called the one thing, right? And it was always like, if you get nothing else, it's like, here's one thing I want you to grab out of this, you know, whatever it is. But it, that came from a scenario like what you're talking about was, let's be real there's some crappy conferences there's some crappy <laughs> events you know that have horrendous speakers you know but then in that moment i always felt like well you know what isn't it my responsibility to try to seek something out if i'm really here i'm really here to hmm. seek out something new for me to take away and and be able to execute on tomorrow so now it's like when you take ownership of that yeah most of it could could suck if it's just a bad event but if you start looking for that one thing You'll probably find more like 17 things. If you start just looking for that one thing instead of like what you're doing is like stepping back and be like, Am I in the right room?
0: We've all had those (laughs) thoughts,
1: bro. Especially like after like if there's a first keynote or something, like, is this how the rest of this is gonna be? Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna find one thing. And then you end up finding 17.
0: Uh, And that's an interesting thought because I was at a conference and let's just say the the warm-up speakers were first-time speakers just out the gate. And so I was there for more moral support. I knew a couple of them. I'm like, I want to be in the audience so they can see yeah. me there type of thing. And um, I was really struggling until, for me, I got ADHD. So I have to doodle to learn, right? It's the only way I can do oh, cool. it. I can to distract myself to learn, right? So I started doodling my notepad. And what I found is I actually started listening from a different perspective and my doodles started becoming notes. And I started learning. Now he, they weren't great speakers, right? God love them to death. They 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 were speaking a message, a couple of them were reading from their notes type of thing. Yeah. But the content of what they're saying, once I got past all the the pizzazz or lack of, really started to resonate. And I still got some cool notes and takeaways from it, but it's to your exact point of it's on us to look at it and go, okay, what can I learn here?
1: What's that one thing, if you will,
0: yeah. that I can take away? Well, That's something grabbed your
1: attention. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole on how I feel about ADHD. Hey, Donnie Bobeen here, CEO
0: of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high-revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at
1: successchampionnetworking.com. And I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, because I saw a TED talk. that was like, yes, this. I can't remember who it was, but it was like a Chinese monk or something like that or a a Vietnamese monk. And they were talking about ADHD. It's like, do you think like back in the days where we had to literally hunt for our food, those kids had ADHD? It's like, no, because they're active, right? I'm hearing you. I'm like, it's cool because you found a way to get yourself focused. Mm. I think it was just learning yourself, you know, as soon as like something captured you. And it's finding those things that can capture you. So it's just directing your ability because I think that people that say that, hey, I have ADHD, let's be real. I could probably be put on that because of like shiny object syndrome. For you sure. know, I've never taken, I mean, it's a serial entrepreneur. It's like I get 87 new ideas just in the shower in the morning. Right. Uh, but but when, it, when you find the ability to, and learn yourself enough with self-work to be like, okay, I know I can find tools for me to help focus my attention. It's just finding the things that you actually want to pour yourself into. Because I look at my, I look at my thirteen-year-old son, and dude, it, it, in public school he would be branded this all the live long day. My kids are in a private virtual school. They've been that way before COVID. Right? they still have live classes over Zoom. They've been doing this for five years, so before the pandemic. Nice. You know, it's like virtual school done right. You know, and it, it's so awesome because it, you saw the public schools fumbling around. This is like a side yep. note, right? I'm a side yeah. product. Oh. <laughs> prime you know result of a public school yeah, system so. likewise right but at the same i mean that's why i got horrible grades for a year and even failed english class because i didn't do homework because there was nothing that was able to focus my attention externally the, the teachers and everything around me were not able to grasp me that way and that can be the same with speakers at events so right. then it became well i failed this which means i have to repeat it so i recognize that there's consequences i don't want to do that again so I'm going to figure out a way to focus myself just enough, but then still apply myself in other areas that I would like to to be applied in. And I see the same thing in my 13 year old son, yeah. you know, and to where it's his mind goes in so many different directions, but at the same time, it's like he understands outcome based results, and that's because I've taught him that. Right. Know, it's like here's what you need to do: find ways to and, and like correlations between things that you absolutely love. The things that you might need to learn to love, not because it's the thing, but because it's an outcome that you need in that moment in your life.
0: I did. I so agree with that. I read the book, uh, Atomic Habits. and I forget the author's name, but it's a great book. Yeah. And I decided like this year I wanted LinkedIn to be my platform. Like I was going to go all in on LinkedIn, figure out this damn platform. So, but I also knew that the idea of going and posting comment engaging was going to be a lot of heavy lifting if I was going to do this every day. But I read Atomic Habits and he's like, do start habit stacking. So every morning I go walk to farm Um, and I used to listen to podcasts and walk to farm because it was distraction until I talked to a spiritual person that said, you know, you should turn off that phone sometimes, see what happens shit they were right um uh, <laughs> as as one of my coaches mentors jerry mcdenmeyer says it gave me white space it gave me a moment to not think about anything and then think about everything at the same time which, yeah. it's really yeah. cool but i started after that walk when as soon as i came in i'd sit down and start doing linkedin because i'd already kind of had that fun moment that fun thing that i was doing with my walks that i came in and did the the linkedin right afterwards and now since January, I, you know, I added 10,000 followers on there and yeah. continue to grow. And we keep adding revenue that we can trace back to it. That it all
1: came because I found a way to make it work yeah. for me. Dude, you point. focused yourself, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you create, so if you look at like ADHD, what does it stand for? Attention deficit hyperactive disorder, right? Yep. I, I love the first two letters there. Attention deficit. Deficit to me just means that there's something lacking. Right. So, yes. so what can you, and it's not, I don't believe that it's your attention. It's a different way to reframe this. I don't believe it's your ability to be attentive. I just think that the right things you have not surrounded yourself with to allow yourself to be focused on those. That's the deficit. That's the gap that needs to be filled. What, yeah, for, for me, it's boredom, right? Yeah. You know, well, if, that's if, when if you it become hyperactive, right? Yes, VH, yes, yes. When that deficit absolutely. exists, when there's nothing there to fill it that's when you become hyperactive and you're like bouncing around like a ping pong ball because you don't know where to go at that point. So if you actively yes. choose with the discipline, like you said with LinkedIn, you've already done it, dude. It's like, I don't know if you just ma- haven't made this connection, right? Because you, you filled the deficit. Right. And now right. you were able to be attentive because you filled the deficit with something that is outcome-based, just like I was talking about with 100%. my son. Yeah. So dude, I mean, ADHD, I hope people are listening to this because it, this isn't like minimizing something that's been out there. Right. But think about it. It didn't exist 30 years ago. And if you talk about medicine is advanced and all that stuff, whatever, like there's gotta be a reason why there's like, there's a pilot program right now. Like you cannot go to flight school if you were on Ritalin as a kid, Mm. right? Because that stuff rewires your freaking brain, man. To where now they've come up with a special limited pilot school i, I just found this out a week ago because i <laughs> i, I want to go through flight school myself it's like a bucket list thing for me you know but i wasn't on ritalin thank god but i found this out that they have this like basic course to where you can just do these things you can't fly at night you know and all, all these weird limitations just because they've recognized how this stuff rewires your brain you know so it's it's crazy horrible and this is the faa right they've discovered this stuff It's horrible to put our kids on these things when all they need is, like my 13-year-old son, is just instruction on how to fill that deficit with things that they're interested in and correlate them to things that they might learn to be interested in. So I want to play with this a second because you
0: possibly have something that other parents don't have right um and this is something i know running my own companies and i run yeah you know a hundred miles an and parenting okay no.
1: <laughs> yeah I, I don't have
0: that i don't have any kids right i, I have I have a full working farm with goats so that's responsibility enough but that's real that's real Just right made my day
1: man that's awesome that's like that.
0: <laughs> so um um but we are somewhat trapped by our businesses like there's things that have to be get, get done Um, But we also have the ability to find time and manufacture our own time on our own schedule. I think, unfortunately, society as a whole doesn't have that same ability to manufacture time. You're working for somebody else. You're putting in time. You have to put in hours. Most organizations aren't like ours. where we were a family first organization One of our champions codes. It's like, go be at the game, freaking take the vacation, right? Be at the recital. Get the fucking work done. Be with your damn family. Right? Yeah, you're, not, yeah. you're not a slave to the company. I don't think a lot of people are in an environment where they have the luxury of understanding their kids enough to be able to pour into them like you have with your son.
1: They might not be. Yeah. And I also think a lot of that's by choice, too. I don't disagree with that I don't disagree with that at all. Disagree with Even at all. with, like, a, I did some, uh, I wrote a book years ago. It was my first book, Situational Ethics. But I, I started doing some segments on TV networks. I mean, I mean ABC, CBS. NBC, Fox, all the main networks and the the local affiliates. And it was about bullying, you know, and Hmm. it was like the ethics of bullying was my what was my segment title. And the main point that I made in there, which actually pissed off. I remember the Las Vegas network that was there because I actually it was ironic because I had the superintendent coming in right after me. Right. (laughs) And it's like the superintendent of the Las Vegas school system. And I actually got his back with what I said uh, on air. And at that point it was like, they shut down. I was part of a group that like, they shut down. I I take credit for this and pride in this. They shut down anybody (laughs) else from that group, as far as being a guest on the show, because I (laughs) fucked it up for them, right? But the the, the reason is I started getting the school districts back talking about responsible parenting. And I'm like, let's look at this for a sec, because I believe that parents, what they do is like, if they're just pouring themselves into work, maybe some people just shouldn't be parents, you know? And that's kind of controversial, right? And some parents can be better parents if they do work all day, but then they come home and they devote that time to their kids. You know, as long as they're still slotting out that dedicated time for attention towards their kids to pour into them, like we've been talking about. But parents that just go to work all day, shove their kids in the public school system and then come home and they have to chill and relax or whatever else. Something's not right in their life right there. Because in that process, what they're doing is they're abdicating the raising of their children to the public school district. I agree with that. So, like, the superintendent was going, like, I've got his back because that's a difficult job that he's got to fight for. Because, in essence, you're saying, hey, teachers, principals, raise my kids for me. Raise my kids, yeah. Yeah. That's why bullying comes in. Because now it's like they already have so much on their plate and teachers are underpaid as it is, which is a whole different thing. You know, we could get into, this might be a political statement, sort of, but I actually would love to see school districts institute, like, performance-based incentives for teachers. so would I. (laughs) So where it's like, Hey, you know, I mean, testing, whatever, standardized testing, we can get into that wormhole in some other show, but still like, if there's some kind of KPIs, I'm obviously a businessman, right? If there's some kind of KPIs for the teachers, right? If if half your class is failing, you shouldn't get paid what you're getting paid. If, if most of your class is excelling, right. And there's some kind of metrics around that, that we could put around it. Cool. You get bonus. You're being a good teacher. You know, you're really pouring into these kids. You know, if if like the disciplinary write-ups that you have are the lowest in the school, bonus on top of that. Because parents are abdicating their responsibility for a lot of reasons to, to the school district and the teachers to raise their kids, which I don't agree with. Kudos to the parents out there that aren't. You know, because I'm sure there's right. just as many that aren't. You know, so it's a, this isn't a blanket statement, but those that are, I get it. Life is tough. you got to make ends meet and all those other things. But you have human beings that you're responsible for. Whether you planned them or didn't plan them, it's what God gave you on this earth right now. And there's a reason for it too. They are here to be raised by you, not anybody else. Well, and,
0: and I agree with that. Uh, and I think I it know, should box, be this. Dude. No, you did, you did. You did. That's yeah. why I didn't interrupt you yeah. <laughs> man. fucking run with it. Right. When, yeah. When you find somebody that has passion in a direction and it's on fire, let them run because it's the message most likely needs to be heard, and I'm a firm believer, if you're not pissing off somebody, then you're not
1: standing for anything. Yeah. Right? Oh, I guarantee oh, I, I have I, half as many people cheering as that will be like, ah, <laughs> dude, you don't know my life. You know, it's like, right. I do know your life. Percent. I was laid off, dude, when my twins were born. I do know your life. I had electricity shut off while my kids were breastfeeding. I had to I had to steal electricity. I'm not proud of that. Paid it back, right? But to to keep the power on for three days. It's like I, I do know your life. I'm not in some ivory tower and I work my ass off to get where I'm at, but I do know where you're at and I know that you don't have to stay there. I often
0: think that, and I have a, a legit fear. and right? One of my legit fears at some point, somebody's going to look at me and say it was handed to him, right? I know my truth yeah, and I know the work and time and energy in there, but I do think society as a whole that when you hit some certain notoriety or certain level of perceived success that everybody forgets where you came. from. Oh yeah, dude. Yep. You know, and, and it, and it's, um, I gave a a keynote up in Boston and afterwards I always love doing a Q and a with people and, you know, getting feedback. And one of the questions was, is, Donnie, when do you change up your content? When do you talk about something else? And I just looked at him. I looked at the crowd and I said, how many of you, this is the first time ever hearing me speak? Yeah. And 75% of the room raised their hand. Yeah. I looked back at the guy named Joe and I said, you don't. Yep. you got to tell the same story over and over all, because if people don't know where you came from, it's hard to buy in that you're telling them where they can do and the things that they should be Amen trying to that.
1: achieve. I learned that from my media yep. coach a long time ago, because I've had people, it's like, Rick, you always tell these same stories. And I'm like, well yeah but this is the first time these people are hearing it yeah that's it my media coach is like i did when when he helped me put together segments for tv you know i got i got bored with it right and the biggest (laughs) thing that because it's like man i'm saying that i'm doing the same show over and over and over again i'm like people are going to want something different but that was the thing it's like this is the first time this group this local audience is hearing that dude he's like if you're starting to get bored with it you're not performing well enough you're not delivering it well enough so find a new way to have fun with it in the same story then it becomes fresh for you. I mean, he he coached me on that. I'm like, that was brilliant. Right. And that's why I tell everybody, go, go
0: get on as many podcasts as you can possibly get on because the beauty of getting on a lot of podcasts, yes, you'll get a little bit of exposure. Yes, you'll get a little bit of SEO, but you're going to learn to tell your story the proper way. Yeah. Because you're going to get asked the same questions over and over again by a lot of shitty podcast hosts out there that don't know how to interview. Yeah. Right. Um. And and so you'll learn to tell the story, so they'll lean in. Bingo. I want to bring it back a little bit to the incentive side of thing because yeah. I really think that that model could be put into business itself. It needs to be. It absolutely what needs if, to be. Yeah. What if we created a program where we were incentivizing our employees? to hit milestones, they bonus if they accomplish this on top of the company hitting their overall goals. I think that would be a fantastic way to look at running a business versus just a straight, hey, this is what you paid, now give me 90 hours a week. Yeah, you got you
1: know. it. In my company on that, I, I second this wholeheartedly because as we acquire companies too, we put incentive-based compensation plans in place for, for almost everybody. And I say almost everybody because we're still trying to figure out a department like finance. Ironically, it's the money departments.
0: You know, they were was like,
1: <laughs> well, what are some KPIs for the money department? You know, and it's, a, right. You know, I had an, a, a CFO of a public company one time tell me that, listen, your finance department adds no value. I mean, and, and he didn't say it wasn't needed, but what he meant was it doesn't add actual like valuation to your organization, you know, because mm-hmm. it's almost like, ta- you know, it's task-based stuff. You know, they have to, but th- there's got to be something like, there's got to be a way because if they have well, responsibility. Well, the
0: first thing that popped in my head was, was collections. If collection stays to a certain level over a certain period of time, because I know it's a thing in our company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It affects so, cash flow. Uh, yep. 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 Right on. Ninety five percent of our stuff is on auto pay for a service based yep. subscription <laughs> company. But, Same but with yes, us. yeah. That's a good that's a good key. Yeah, but you even
0: with the service based subscription, you got the the credit card expired. Now you gotta go track down the credit yep. cards and all that kind of stuff. So you you got that portion in it that somebody's gotta be
1: chasing down yep. clean. You got it. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean cybersecurity, so it's technicians, it's supervisors, it's managers, it's sales. You know, everybody has a, a specific set of KPIs that we put in place that they directly affect with their actions, and that's what they're incentivized on. And there's also mm, like two so different smart. levels, too, because it, I like to try to tie everybody in the company back to top-line revenue. Because it, mm-hmm. we're, we're a growth-oriented company, always, right? Because I believe right, if you're not right. growing, you're dying, right? If you're in the middle, it's really you're dying anyways if you're not doing anything. But everybody has like KPIs, which is this is how good we're delivering for our customers, right? And they're actually KPIs that we even show our customers to. We're completely transparent in that. Like if it's a, a resolution time, it's like we always want to see this below 30 minutes. And if it goes above 30 minutes, we, we have reviews. with. It. It's like you were at 47 minutes last month. But we're going to show you exactly why, because we might need Mm. your input on some of these things. So it's like they're managing with it. They're responsible. Even down to like text, dude, they're responsible for contributing to these things. And then on the opposite side, there's also a sales commission, because if they can identify revenue, even if they're fixing my printer can't work, right, or something like that, if if they're fixing that kind of trouble tickets and they start asking questions like, you know, what, maybe you need some new solution here. You know, because it sounds like with your workflow, so they're thinking beyond the problem that's in front of them, they can sell some revenue and they're incentivized and commissioned off of that revenue too. You know, and it's just literally for, we're encouraging people to help people. (laughs) That's it. How did you
0: come up with that, with that whole framework? And then how did you determine the KPIs inside of that framework?
1: Yeah, the the KPIs are very customer based. And I'll I'll give you an example here because you run a B2B network and You've got to look at so this is where the consumer side it's like full circle now in our conversation, right? Because uh, most people in my industry in, in IT, the they focus their KPIs internally, meaning that they're looking at mm. it like okay, we had this many trouble tickets come in from our customers, but we closed this many. Look at how much of badasses we are, you know. Right. And all of those are so internally focused. It would be like Michael Jordan looking at Scottie Pippen, yes, I'm 44, I watched the Bulls three-peat, right? I live in <laughs> Chicago, I'll use this example. Okay, I watched all of it when I was a teen. You know, but it'd be like Michael Jordan only looking at Scottie Pippen to try to keep his game on point you know, hmm. th- within his own team. It's like, no, he would look at, you know, it, back at that, it was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you know, all of these other greats that existed during that era to be like, I'm going to be better than them. That's what I needed, Mm. like looking externally at who he was interacting with. It's the same as our KPIs. So rather than like tickets open, tickets closed, I would look at them and be like, well, if there's 30 people in this company, right, in this customer of ours, and they generated 30 tickets, but we closed 30 tickets successfully, that doesn't really mean that we're that great. Because to me, I'm looking at it from their perspective, thinking that, well, In essence, it's like every person in that company had a problem every single month.
0: That's a great perspective.
1: Like, (laughs) that's ludicrous. You know, It's so I see that. I was like, geez. I mean, this was like eight years ago when I I shifted my focus, right? I'm like, well, this customer fucking hates us. (laughs) Even though they haven't said it, right? And they haven't articulated it yet. But I started, it's like, what's their level of pain? What, what, what's important to them? So we switched our KPIs around to be externally focused with what matters to them. So I'm like, okay, it's IT, it's cybersecurity, stuff's gonna break, people are gonna get hacked. There's no way to completely prevent that stuff from happening. But we started looking at industry trends and then profitability, and I'm like, you know what? I think we could do like a three to one ratio. Now we're more like a four or five to one, you know, consistently, but that three to one is minimum, being like, we, we expect things to happen. So that same company of 30 people, if they have 10 tickets that month, we're doing pretty good. Mm. You know, and, so, and they start to feel less pain because it's like two thirds, the majority of the company has had no issues. So if
0: you're looking. And how for... is your team affecting that then? Right? How, do you, how do you do that drastic of a drop off of tickets? What are the functions that they're doing
1: to ensure that more tickets don't come to the table? But it's focusing outside the current problem that's there. The one thing that we started doing is, I mean, we started, like, we're going to review every ticket and find the root cause. So we, we came up for something like after the fact, almost like a post-mortem, right? Right. So that just became too much work because, I mean, when you're talking hundreds of tickets a month, you know, it's just a lot of time to sit down there. It's like, what if we did broad strokes? You know, what if we looked at like the top five types of problems? You know, and we, we started extracting data out of that. So if it was like basic thing, right? If it's like internet outage was a common ticket in this company of 30 like they're saying I can't get online I can't get online I can't get online we'll say 7 out of 10 of those tickets where I can't get online it's like oh we should probably one get them a new internet provider because right. of, because that one sucks ass right and two maybe get them a backup internet provider because we can do that technically and it'll just switch over and that means that they just magically keep working they they never notice a thing when their primary goes out hmm. but we're notified And then we can start to look at that from the back so that it eliminated so many tickets when you looked at it from their perspective and you started to zoom out and there's ways to do broad strokes that we determine. I'm sure this applies in any service based business. For sure. Once you actually look at the data that's there and it's important to track the data once we were able to figure out what data we needed to look at from our external perspectives, that's when we figured out this is infinitely scalable. We Mm -hmm. can go buy other companies now because we have the right data we're gathering in order to affect a solution to keep us efficient and scalable. That's huge, dude. Uh, And I'm even thinking
0: through our company, even our groups and the likes and how we shift to an external KPI like that, because uh, I think we're caught up, like a lot of companies, we play firefighter versus preventing the fire from happening in the first place. Exactly,
1: I told people, I'm like, we're not gonna be the plumbers of IT or cybersecurity. Nothing against plumbers. Right, Uh, I don't know many proactive things that plumbers do.
0: (laughs) uh, That's why I
1: use that analogy, right? It's like, we're not going to have you come out and replace all of our pipes every five years, (laughs) you know, that's the, but what we will do is call you when it leaks, you know, or call you when something really just like spitting out everywhere. So it's, it's like, we don't want to be that because we have things we can do to be proactive and that's what sets us apart from everybody else, you know? And then it Mm. becomes, because we're so proactive when, when shit does hit the fan, we can get you recovered way faster than anybody else because we've already done the mm-hmm. proactive work on the front side but then here's the beauty right now I would encourage any service delivery based company to be transparent with those KPIs so depending on the size of our customer we show them these every single week or every single month depending on how big they are or small they are and we sort of say okay here's what happened right so We even got beyond like the top five types of problems. And we went into looking at the top five people, every customer
0: Mm. (laughs) and and
1: overall, it's like Susie over here, she keeps putting in tickets for Microsoft word, right? We found out that it's not a technical problem, but she just always calls in with these how to things, which is what it ends up being. And we're almost training her on how to use something. Like maybe she's a paralegal, right? Why doesn't she know how to use word? Did she put on her resume that she knows how to use word? You know, is this somebody that you value that you want to invest in? Or maybe it's QuickBooks, right? For a finance person or something. They don't really right. know it. It might've been a bad hire, but do you want to invest in this person? So we're, we're putting the choice back in the, the seat of our customers because it ha it literally has nothing to do with us. Our performance on something, but we made it have to do with us by becoming that person on the same side of the table as them. And that's in service space. I use that phrase all around. It's like, that's put huge. yourself on the same side of the table as your customers.
0: dude that's that's wicked smart and a fantastic philosophy um i'm gonna steal a lot of these so you know
1: (laughs) dude it'll be a better world man
0: (laughs) oh for sure i wish wish
1: everybody that and you talk b2c but even b2c i wish comcast my internet provider at home had this philosophy you know (laughs) rather than
0: there's nothing worse than calling into a help desk (laughs) and realizing they're fucking helpless exactly they cannot do anything to solve your issue yep um, all they can do is read from a cue card and that's, yeah. that's their menu. And you,
1: you learn their system, right? Because I mean, especially yes. it's like, okay, I've already done this. I'm going to write down this stuff. So when I call, it's like, here's my problem. Here's what I've already done. You know? And they're like, well, we have to reboot the things. And like, no, I've done that twice already. No change. What's our next yep. steps. Is that sending somebody out to help me? Okay, cool. So now I took control of this scenario, you know, but that's, <laughs> that's like, like anything else. That could be like a carpet cleaner. You know, it's like, there's yes. a spot that's down there, you know? Well, did you change the lighting to make sure it's not a shadow, you know, or or whatever it is? You know, it's like, yes, I moved my lamp around. I turned on all the lights. The spot's still there. You didn't get it. (laughs) I've unplugged,
0: plugged it in. You know, I've done all the things, you know, it's crazy. Well, dude, we could do this all day. This would be a a continuous conversation. It's a hell of a conversation. And we'll have to come back and do this again another time. I mean, I
1: hope I brought value Uh, to your audience today. Oh, dude, this was fun. This was a lot of fun.
0: I I love it when you can find somebody
1: that can just have a conversation and it just flows.
0: So how do people find you? How do they reach out to yeah, you?
1: At Mr. Rick Jordan on all, all social platforms. And that's the best way to DM me. No joke. You know, especially on, on Instagram and LinkedIn. You can go to my website. It's a great website, whatever. But DM me, you know, follow me. That's the only thing I ask because I put content out like this all the live long day. And I'm just trying to make the world a better place. Love it, dude. Guys, if you made it this far with us, thanks for hanging out. Do us a favor. Take a screenshot
0: wherever you're listening to this. And post it out on social media. Tag me and Rick in it. We'll both find it. We'll come interact and engage. We're both heavily on social media. But it also lets us know this is the kind of content that you're into and you like this kind of stuff. So tag us out there. Let us know you're listening. Otherwise, love you made it. Say Bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yeah, they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure down your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com. Go visit one of our peer groups and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as success champions.